Our lives are full of rhythms and cycles. Just think about it for a minute. Every single day, there are rhythms that you have in your life. Every month, there are rhythms or practices that you have. Every year, annually, you may have some rhythms that you celebrate in your family. You see, rhythms and practices are built into our life. Just think about it for a moment. Think about how every day you you wake and then you eat And then some of us go to school or some of us go to work and then every day we go back to sleep. Just think about how how every year on the last Thursday in November we celebrate Thanksgiving. We have rhythms and practices that are built into our life. Students, every every year you you start new semesters, two semesters each year and you you learn and you study and and then you take exams at the at the end of the semester you see rhythms and, and cycles are built into our life every april we have that first 95 degree day and i'm like ah i'm not ready for this yet right some of you guys are feeling that right now and then there is that person that every year on May 1st, you post that Timberlake meme every year. You know who you are, you know who you are. See, rhythms and cycles are are built into our life. And I think God, our God has given us rhythms that help us remember, but they also help us to anticipate the future. We're not gonna go there today, we don't have time, but. As you read through the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament, you'll see that as you come to the the end of the book of Leviticus, God tells his people to put all sorts of festivals and, and days to remember, to help them remember his faithfulness, his goodness. And today, we're gonna spend some time talking about the practice or the rhythm of communion that both helps us remember God's faithfulness in the past, but also to anticipate a future kingdom, God's future kingdom when it comes and how how it will eliminate depression and anxiety and fear and addiction, that will be a good day when God's kingdom is fully inaugurated. But we have these rhythms in our life that cause us to look back and to remember the past, but we also have these rhythms or practices that cause us to find hope for the future. Now, some of us in here, all we can do is think about the future, right? Some of you guys love planning the vacation more than actually being on the vacation, right? Come on, man, you're sitting on the beach, but some of you guys, all you can do is think about the future. Some of you in your business, all, all you can think about is not what's going on today, but you're such visioneers, you're such uh, future thinkers that all you think about for your family is the future. And I think that there are some good things about practices and rhythms in our life that help us to both look back, but also look forward. Today, we're gonna spend our time looking at the book of Luke, chapter 22. If you have your Bible, you can open up there. If you have a device, feel free to pull up your Bible app, Luke chapter 22. We're going to spend our time talking about a meal, an annual rhythm that Jesus himself practiced. Jesus himself practiced 
some 3,500 years ago is when this meal was first instituted. Jesus celebrated it probably around 2,000 years ago himself, and this meal was chocked full of, of elements and symbolism, but what's so fascinating about this meal and why we're talking about it here today is that not only did Jesus celebrate it, but he actually took these elements and transformed their meaning. He actually redefined their meaning. So Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 7, says, Then came the day of the unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house. The teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this, divide it among yourselves. For I tell you, From now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after he had eaten, saying, This cup is poured out for you in the new covenant in my blood. Behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another which one of them was going to do this. See, today uh, we're going to spend our time talking about this rhythm or this practice of communion. Maybe you grew up in a church tradition that called it the Lord's Supper. Maybe uh, you grew up in a church tradition or a stream that called it the Eucharist. I'm going to use some of those terms interchangeably today. But we find in our text today that that uh, Jesus is actually sharing something that uh, only happens a handful of times throughout all four Gospels. You see, the the account of the Lord's Supper or of communion comes across uh, the same, similar, different accounts in all four Gospels. In Luke's account, we see that in his account that Jesus has been trying to tell his disciples for several chapters. He's been trying to tell them what is going to happen in these next few hours that he is going to suffer and he is going to die for the sins of the world, and they're just not getting it. No matter what he says, they try to push back on him, no, 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 they don't understand what's going on. And yet, when we get to the text that we read today, we find Jesus a thousand years after the first Passover that you and I can read about in the book of Exodus, uh, one of those first few books in your Bible, just hours before Jesus would be brutally hung on a cross, instituting a moment with his disciples 
where he takes this incredibly symbolic meal, this meal that had four different courses, all of them so chocked full of meaning, and yet he begins to redefine what this meal would, cho- would be remembered for. He begins to transform what these symbols would mean. And, and here's what we find. We find that, that the Passover meal was not just an ordinary meal. It was not a meal like you will probably have today for lunch or tomorrow evening at your home. It was a meal that took an incredible amount of preparation. Kind of think in our culture, think sort of like Thanksgiving, but kind of totally different, right? Our Thanksgiving meal, some of us, we start planning at the beginning of November. This is the kind of meal that we prepare in our culture. And this was sort of what it was like. It took all kinds of preparation. And this is why Jesus told Peter and John, hey, uh, you need to go make some preparation. And I I was just thinking about some of us in here today. This is kind of your public service announcement. Some of us, uh, we need to start helping with the preparation for our Thanksgiving meal, right? Like some of us just show up to mom's house and we're like, this is awesome. I'm gonna go watch the Cowboys game. No, man, some of y'all need to make some bread, right? You need to bring a casserole, something like that. But here's what we see. We see this Passover meal was not just something that was ordinary. It was something that took a lot of preparation. And so Jesus sends John and Peter ahead and he says, hey, uh, I I want you to look for the guy with the water jar. (laughs) Let's think about that for a second. See, Jesus has clearly gone judo ninja ahead of time. He's secretly gone off and found this guy who would set up a room that would prepare it for them. And, and so we see that there's these preparations that happen for this meal to take place. And we see that it is chock full of meaning. There are four courses. There are four glasses of wine that they will share together. And the head of the house at this Passover meal that would be celebrated annually, the head of the house would usually at some point during the night stand up and he would share possibly reading from the book of Exodus or he might even share a summary that sounded something like this. He would say, our ancestor Joseph he was, he was put into slavery and, and he was sent down to Egypt, but God had his favor. He probably would have said something like, the head of the house would have probably said something like Yahweh, right? Yahweh is God's personal name. He would have said, Yahweh had incredible favor on Joseph's life. And soon, he, his whole family came down from the land of Canaan, and uh, as they came down, we had, we had incredible favor. I was actually raised up, Joseph was raised up to a place of high authority, the second in position just below Pharaoh. This is what the head of the household would have said that night when it came to the story of Passover. And he would have said, our people did exactly what God had encouraged them to do. They were fruitful, and they multiplied, and they started to grow, and all of a sudden, a new Pharaoh came on the scene. And he did not have the same favor for God's people that the first Pharaoh did. In fact, he became fearful of them, and he began to, he began to, began to enslave them, and he began to oppress them, and God saw the oppression of his people. And so he he raised up a deliverer in Moses. And Moses took the word of God to that Pharaoh. And God, through nine plagues, this is what that, the head of the house would have shared that night. 
help them remember, nine plagues happened. But that Pharaoh, he would not release God's people. No, 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 no. And so God brought about the last plague. And that last plague, that last plague, Pharaoh was changing heart and he said, you go, you get out of here. And they would leave quickly. This was the purpose of that Passover meal was to help God's people remember. Every year they would celebrate this moment. And Jesus, the night that we read about, he would have shared the same similar story. You see, the purpose for us today, sitting here in a church in the Permian Basin, thousands of years later, the purpose that we take communion, at least part of the reason that we take communion today, is to help us remember. It's to help us remember. Communion is about remembering the past. We're told over and over and over again in the scriptures to remember God's faithfulness, to remember how he healed us, to remember that time that he showed up and and brought financial breakthrough, to, to remember that time that he healed that broken relationship in our family. We are called to be a people. Jesus followers are called to be people who remember God's faithfulness in the past. But some of us in here today, uh, we don't like to think about the past. We don't like to think uh, about the past because that person said that thing to us and it changed us forever. That person did that thing to us and therefore we don't like to remember the past. We don't like to remember because we've blocked it out. We've blocked out the past and, and therefore we We can't even have a hope for a better future. You see, in communion, we are called to remember God's goodness and his faithfulness, even amidst the brokenness of our past. And if you're one of those today who's sitting in here, those who are watching online, and and you have a broken past, and it's really hard for you uh, to believe that God could be working in the midst of even your current present right now, your present moment, I want to tell you that today may be the moment that you begin getting some healing for that past. If that's you today, I want you to, you're going to have an opportunity. We'll call our ministry team forward. And if your past is full of brokenness, gives you no hope for the present or the future, man, come up here and get some prayer. Because communion is, is not only about remembering our past, but I think some of us also in here today, maybe, maybe the past is the glory days. We think about that, that time in our life where me and God, we were like this, right? It was so great during that season of my life when I was in high school or when I was in college and that was the time in, in my life where, man, it was so good and we just can't even get past the past. We can't live in the future. We can't live in the present because our past was the best. That was the best when I had that job or when I was in that relationship. No, 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 no. Man, that's not the way God wants us to look at our, at our past at all. He wants us to look at our past through a different lens, to remember not our past faults or our past glory days, but to remember his goodness, his faithfulness, the times that he showed up and brought breakthrough when you didn't think there was any way that he could. And so when we take communion together, we remember our past. Why does God want us to have a rhythm of remembering, remembering? Communion helps us to remember the past so that we sustain our trust in him 
right now in the present, but also for the future. So as the head of the house that night, Jesus would have continued. He would have taken the second course, which would have been a bitter herb. Sounds delicious, doesn't it? It would have been uh, something that uh, they would have dipped in something else to help uh, maybe take the edge off a little bit, kind of think of like, like horseradish, right? I don't know how some of y'all like that. That stuff's nasty. But he would have... They would have taken a bitter herb. And the the point of this, this symbol in this meal, the second course, would have been to help them remember the oppression that their ancestors had received under Pharaoh. How they had been a people who had been enslaved, how they had been a people who had been oppressed. And the point of this second course in the meal was to help them remember. This is what Jesus would have done with his disciples that night. And then it was time to take the third course, the bread. It was the the bread that just a little bit ago when it was dough had been cut and it had been kneaded and and it it, it, it had been, you know, worked. That's what happens when when we we make bread. But let me just ask you a question. You can answer out loud. Some of you guys will want to do that. Uh, What happens, we notice in the text that it was unleavened bread. Unleavened bread. What happens when you put yeast in bread? It rises, right? We've got some bakers in the house. Way to go. But we see that's unleavened bread. Why? Why would they eat unleavened bread? Well, that night when that 10th plague came, we see that when Pharaoh said go, they did it with haste. They had to get out of there. There was, there was no time. And so the reason that they eat unleavened bread that night was because there was no time. They had to remember how when God delivered them, it was time to go. They had to get up out of that place. See, the Exodus account tells us that God had liberated his people When they celebrated the Passover meal, they were reminded how God had had liberated them, had set them free from oppression, had set them free from from slavery. And, And I think it's interesting here because as we read in our text today, when we get to this point in the meal, this is where things start to change. You see, up until this point, I think the disciples, they would have said, uh, this is a pretty standard Passover meal. But then all of a sudden, in the text that we read today, we see that Jesus begins to speak differently. Not only is he speaking about the past, but he's actually beginning to speak about the future. He's beginning to speak about a future kingdom that would come, a future kingdom where there would be no more tears and no more anxiety and no more depression, no more addiction. He begins to speak about God's kingdom that would come one day. And Jesus knew that beyond that moment, beyond the cross, beyond, he knew that beyond these next few days and weeks and months, that one day there would be a kingdom, his kingdom that would come. And it would set people free from all of these things, all of this broken world. See, communion is also about anticipating the future. It's about anticipating the future, a time when there will be no more pain, no more broken relationships, a time when God's kingdom will be fully inaugurated. And some of us, we can't even hope for a better future because we're so stuck in this moment right now, 
the suffering that we think that we are going through. We're so stuck, we can't even have a hope for the future. Some of us feel that right now today. And I saw a sign, I think that might help you. This week I saw this sign, you guys can check it out. It says, this too shall pass. It might pass like a kidney stone, but it will pass. My mom used to get kidney stones when I was a kid. Uh, I know it was miserable. And uh, also your public service announcement for today, drink water, right? Drink water, that will help you in the future. Um, But for those of you who are stuck right now, you feel like I can't even have a hope for the future. I'm so worried about what may happen in the future because I'm so stuck with what's going on right now. I wanna tell you that today, God wants to give you a hope for your future. He has life for you. Doesn't mean that you won't have some seasons that are really difficult and seasons that are really hard, but I I wanna encourage you, if you find yourself getting so stuck in the what ifs for the future, no, 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 don't go there. God's grace is for today. His mercy is for today. You see, why does God want us to have a rhythm of anticipating the future in communion? Well, in communion, we anticipate a future when God's kingdom fully liberates us from the brokenness of this world. From the brokenness of this world. And as Jesus distributes this bread, he says, uh, this is my body given for you. Now, I don't know about you, um, there are times where I read the Bible and there are things that uh, in this culture seem really weird, (laughs) right? The Bible was written over the course of thousands of years, 40 different authors, and yet there's times where you read things that uh, make no sense. But I'm here to tell you that in every culture, this would have been a strange statement, right? It's okay for you as you read the Bible, and for me as we read the Bible to not understand it, but I think this is one of those moments where everybody in the room would have gone, huh? I don't know what's going on. But you see what Jesus is doing here. He's taking this symbol of the bread that was kneaded and cut and beaten, and he's redefining it. He's transforming the meaning of this symbol because he knows that in just a few hours, he too, his body will be broken and it will be cut and it will be whipped and it will be beaten. Jesus takes this bread, and he redefines the meaning of it. And then he takes the cup, and they would recall that that lamb was slaughtered and its blood was spread over the doorpost, and it was a covering for them. That is what this meaning of this symbol, when we take communion, we remember that Jesus' blood was spilled for us so that we could be liberated just the same way that these people in this time, they would have thought back to how the the blood of the lamb would have liberated them, set them free. Jesus' blood liberates us too. And maybe some of you in here today, you're new to church. Maybe you're new to reading the Bible. You don't have a full understanding of what's going on and all this, but I want to tell you today that the reason that we're here is because Jesus' body was broken for you and for me. That Jesus spilled his blood willfully because he loves you 
And if you have never responded to the good news of Jesus, today may be your day where you say, hey, I just came to church. I didn't even know somebody invited me, but man, God's stirring in your heart. And if that's you today, at the end of our service, I want you to just come right up here. Just come up to one of these folks and say, hey, I don't, I don't know. I, I want to respond to the good news of the gospel. Today can be your day. You know, I was reading... Um, I was reading some different commentaries this week and I was reminded how over the years of church history, there's been lots of uh, misunderstanding when it comes to the practice or the rhythm of communion. See, some traditions uh, believe that there is actual literal, like literally the body and blood of Jesus is in the bread and the cup that, that we take today. That's what some traditions say. I don't believe that. There's other traditions uh, that would say that it is with Jesus' body and blood is actually with or under uh, the, the, the cup and the bread that we take today. I don't believe that either. Just the way the Passover meal was symbolic, I believe that that is what, that is what we are to remember Christ through his body and blood today, that it is, it is a symbol that points us both back and forward to his future kingdom. One of the things that I noticed uh, as I read this week as I studied the fourth course of this meal was the lamb. And lots of commentators, uh, they, they note that in the accounts of the Lord's Supper that the lamb was noticeably absent. Or was it? See, if you're new to church, you may have never heard that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this is why we cultivate this practice of taking communion in our own life. It's why we have this rhythm of remembering and anticipating. And so here's what we want to do today to, to finish up our service. I'm going to invite Olivia and Adrian to come forward and our ushers are going to start passing out the elements. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians encourages us as followers of Jesus uh, to examine ourselves. And so that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to give you about two minutes uh, where if you need to just repent of something before you take communion, you can do that. Just have a moment with God. If you need to apologize, if you need to say you're sorry, if you need to repent to somebody, say, I'm sorry that I said that to you, to a brother or a sister, you can get up in the middle of the room and go talk to them right now, or you can text them, because we're called to examine ourselves. Communion is for those who are followers of Jesus, and if you are not a follower of Jesus, but you came with a friend today, I don't want you to feel obligated to take this with us at all. So we're going to give you about two minutes, and then I'm going to come back up and we're going to take communion together as a church family.